All right, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll go ahead and get, get started. Father, once again, we want to thank you for bringing us together. We thank you for another day that you've made. We, uh, Lord, want to rejoice and be glad in it. This is your day, Lord. You called us out. You pulled us together uh, to, to worship you, to sing praises to you, to uh, lift your name on high. Uh, and, Father, we pray that our hearts and minds be open so that your spirit has the freedom to do in us and through us whatever it is that he wants. Uh, once again, Lord, we pray and ask that you would be our teacher and guide. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right. Colossians chapter 1. Let me, uh, <laughs> I'm going to, I have a confession to make. Two Sundays ago, we started, and I don't know if you guys caught this or not, we started on God the Father. Uh, last week we started on God the Son without finishing God the Father because I'd been studying and working ahead and I had God the Son in my head and I thought that's where we were in our notes. Uh, so once we're done with God the Son, we're going to go back and pick up where we left off with God the Father <coughs> and finish that. I was just so excited about God the Son that I, I didn't forget about God the Father, I just forgot where I was in my notes. So <laughs> that's, uh, if you guys picked up on that little jump, that's, that's, what, <clears throat> that's what happened. Yeah, kind of weird. <laughs> uh, anyways, let's, um, let's read Colossians 1, 13 to 23 to get kind of a review about where we're at here with God the Son. Uh, we start in verse 13, speaking of, of Jesus, who hath, delivered, um, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created, uh, that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether uh, they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature uh, which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister." Let's go back up and look at verse 18 again, because uh, that's kind of where we're at this morning. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Uh, so he is the head of the body, the church. The, this is a metaphor, word picture, uh, where our, our, our church is, is metaphorically referred to as a body. Jesus is our head. <clears throat> so the son... Jesus, is the head of our church. Now, this means that the church belongs to the Son, Son of God, Jesus, 
and that Jesus then, the Son, is the leader of this church. Now, that also means that if the church is not led by the Son, if Jesus isn't in charge, so to speak, then it doesn't qualify as being a church. Uh, not, a, not, not by New Testament definition, anyways. Um, in other places, Paul calls uh, the church the body of Christ. The, that's a, a common uh, metaphor that he uses. Uh, you know, we're his hands, we're his feet, um, you know, we, we go out and do his work, but he is the head. He's the brains of the operation, and, and we operate under his direction. And as long as we operate under his direction, we can call ourselves a New Testament church. When we stray, which is not really the right word, when we veer or leave his direction, then we kind of disqualify ourselves from being called a New Testament church. And, and this is one of the reasons why we're so adamant about uh, the word of God being what we call our only rule of faith and practice. Uh, we, we take what we believe from the word of God and we take what we do from the word of God. Um, so as long as we're lined up with the word of God, we're, we're lined up with our head, Jesus, and uh, he directs us <clears throat> and we stay out of trouble, so to speak. Now, the other part of verse 18 says, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Uh, now, Paul states uh, uh, some ways that the son is the head. He, he gives us an idea of what this looks like. Uh, that Jesus, God the Son, is literally the beginning of the church. It has its origin in him. So, <coughs> excuse me, without Jesus and all he did, would have no churches. There'd be no reason for them, and they would not exist uh, with, without him. Uh, the word beginning here in, the, in, in verse 18, who is the firstborn from the dead, uh, who, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Uh, it's, uh, it communicates the idea of authority. Okay? Authority comes from him. He is the source of authority. And, and Paul referenced the resurrection of Christ, the firstborn from the dead. Uh, now when we went through Sunday school and you know, we, we went through this part of Colossians and we learned a lot about our Lord uh, here. Uh, but he is uh, he's our beginning. Right? He's, he's our, Jesus is our source. Uh, he's, he's our authority. Uh, without him, we wouldn't exist. We have to make sure that the things that we do, we, we do that, um, you know, we, we line up with him. Uh, remember, it, it, it's kind of audacious to make plans and then just ask him to join us. You know, we, we, <laughs> we, we don't want to do that. Um, we want to join him. He is the head. He is the authority. He is the source for what we do. He is uh, preeminent. Right? Um, later on, we might come across that funny word that we learned when we were doing this in Sunday school, the prototokos. Right? Uh, the uh, the, the, the uh, first in, in, in importance, not, not the first in, in time, but the first in importance. And, and that, is, that is our Jesus. Uh, he is the first in importance. So he needs to be uh, 
If he's not, he needs to be elevated to that position. If he's in that position, he needs to stay there. We need to make sure that Jesus stays as the number one most important uh, person or influence that we have. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, any, any questions or uh, comments before we move on just a little bit? We've got some discussion questions coming up. But. All right, then let's move on a little bit. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, you're going to leave something here in Colossians. Uh, we go to Romans chapter 12. Let me give you kind of an idea of where we're, where we're going with this. We're going to look at Romans 12, 1 to 8. Then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31. And the question that we are looking to answer is, what are the reasons uh, that it's important to be a part of a church, part of an assembly? Uh, Jesus is, is the head of the church. We are a church. Uh, why is it important that we do what we do? Why is it important that we are a part of this. So, if you're in Romans chapter 12, uh, let's read the first eight verses and then uh, see if we can pull some information out of this. Um, verse 1 begins, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. <clears throat> For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members uh, have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Uh, having then gifts differing uh, according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophesy, uh, whether prophecy, uh, let us prophesy according to the portion of faith or ministry. Let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Uh, he that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Um, yeah, verse 8 as far as we're going. All right, so in light of these eight verses, just kind of look at them, chew on them just a little bit, what are the reasons that it's important for us, for you as an individual believer, to be a part of a church? Okay. If you're missing the kidney or part of a, you know, the liver or something, there's a problem. <laughs> there is a problem, yes. Yes, we are, um, if Jesus pulls us together, he, he designs our fit, right? Uh, so that each church, each assembly, each body um, may look a little different um, in, its, in its makeup. Um, 
but he you know, he pulls us together. <laughs> we're all ew, we're all entrails. Not really, but okay. Who else? From these verses one through eight, why is it important that we be a part of a church? Yeah, I've I've said it before. There's there's we don't really find scripturally speaking Lone Ranger Christians. Uh, they were, you know, connected with other groups of believers. Uh, we're designed for community. We we need each other. We, um, <clears throat> I mean, I need to minister to you. You need to minister to me. We minister to each other. That that's the design. Um, that when you get out by yourself. You uh, you lose a lot. Um, <clears throat> we said that uh, back in Genesis, where where God said it's not good that man should be alone. Uh, that that's more than just you know he needs a wife. You know he he needs companionship of other human beings. Uh, he needs community. So um, we we need each other. We have things that that God has. Uh, um, gifted us with that are good for other people in our assembly. Uh, we, we need to do that. Um, not only do you need to be ministered to, but you need to minister. You, you need to display to work those gifts. And none, none of the gifts that, that you are given uh, have been given for your benefit or for your glory or, or, or anything like that. The, the gifts we're given uh, are given for, you know, to, to, to serve God with, but to help other members of our assembly uh, so that God then gets the glory for it. But they're not, they're not really for us. So we are to do more than just come and sit and go home. It's a, we, a job, a duty, you know, keeps yeah. us busy in the Lord so that we stay in the Lord. Yeah, that, that does help us stay in the Lord. Working for him, uh, serving him by serving others, uh, it, it does help to keep our focus where it belongs. You know, um, reproduction is the natural outflow of healthy life. Uh, when things do not reproduce as they should, it's an indication that things are unhealthy. 
uh, you know, we are to grow in our depth of understanding, our knowledge and of the Lord, but we, we are also supposed to grow in number. Um, you know, we, we are to go out and, and witness, uh, whether it's you know, helping a missionary across the planet um, by supporting them to you know, do the work of the ministry there on our behalf because we can't go because we're here, or whether it's going across the street or across the table and, and inviting somebody to church, witnessing to them, trying to lead them to Christ. Um, you know, we, if we're not reproducing ourselves in Christ, then we're not healthy. That's, at least that's one area we're not healthy in. We may be healthy in other areas, but if we're not reproducing ourselves, making disciples, then, then yeah, something's wrong. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 we, we absolutely can't, um, but we can try, yeah, we, we can present the gospel, we, we can answer all of their legitimate questions and arguments, and, and we can love them and display Christ to them, uh, yeah, whether they do or don't get saved, that is absolutely between them and God. We don't want to coerce them into what we might call getting saved. Um, but we can absolutely try. Not to coerce, but we try to lead them to the Lord. You know, we, and and I, I, I think that... Um, I think we may be weak in that area. I think, I think we could be more healthy as a church uh, in the area of witnessing, inviting, disciple-making. Um, I think we're lacking a little bit there. Seeds have to be planted. <clears throat> what, what did what did Paul say in First uh, Corinthians that um, Paul planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase, uh, which means that Paul and Apollos were doing the work of the ministry. They they were obedient to what God called them to do. Uh, God determined the harvest, right? and and that's. But I think where we're falling short is we're not even planting and watering the way we should. So we're not, not that God needs us, but he tells us to do it. So if we don't do it, then the increase isn't going to happen. Maybe, yeah. Yes, yeah. God spanks his kids. Um, he, yeah. It, and, and it is discipline, it's not punishment. Uh, he, he disciplines, he trains, he, he lovingly but sternly convinces us that our present course of behavior is wrong and to convince us to line up with him. Um, now for discipline <laughs> to be effective, we need to know that it is discipline and what it's for. You know, you, you just don't walk into the house and 
and, and, and spank your kid and not tell them why. You know, that, that's abuse. Uh, for the discipline to be effective, the kid needs to know what was expected beforehand, um, need, needs to know that those expectations weren't met and those expectations were legitimate and that you know, if, if you don't you know, do this in this time frame, then this is what's going to happen. You know, did you do this in this time frame? No, okay, well then this is what's gonna happen. And that trains them then to meet the expectation in the reasonable amount of time. So, so God being the ultimate smart parent, if he's going to discipline us, he understands that we need to know why we're getting disciplined. There has to be the connection with the discipline and the reason for the discipline or it, it's not effective. Um, God always has a way of uh, letting us know. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's an effective parent. So, yeah. Any others before we go to 1 Corinthians? <coughs> Excuse me. All right, then let's look. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to go uh, 12 to the end of the chapter, 12 to 31. <clears throat> All right, so, uh, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also in Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, or have been all made to drink and drink into uh, one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. And if the ear shall say, because I am uh, not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, uh, where are the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, uh, where are the smelling? Uh, but now hath God set the members of every one of them in the body <coughs> as it pleased him. <coughs> Excuse me. And if they were all one member, they were the body. Uh, but now are, um, are they many members, uh, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. I see that God tempers the body together. He pulls our church together. He sets it together. All right. Verse 25. And there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all the workers of miracles? 
have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you more excellent way. All right. So Paul gives a very uh, expanded uh, metaphor here about the, uh, about the body of Christ and how we as members all kind of fit together. Uh, so in light of this, then, what are the reasons it's important to be part of a church? And, and to be part of a church, I mean to be part of it. You're here, you're plugged in, you're active, you own it. Right? It's, it's, it's your church. This is your body. Right? What does that mean? We can do so much more all together, working together, than we could by ourselves. And if one part is missing, it really minimizes what the rest of the church can accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. Stronger together. But at the same time, um, because there are different functions within the body, certain body parts are going to have a certain task or tasks that the Lord lays it on them. And not all the body parts are going to be tasked with that same thing. No. Yeah. Yeah. But the body is going to work together. Right? Now, if you don't think that this is effective, uh, when's the last time you, you poked a hornet's nest? I mean, they band together and they get the job done. One, one sting hurts, you know, it's, unless you're allergic, it's not going to send you to the hospital. Um, but then the rest of them find you. And they work in concert. They work together. They are focused <laughs> on one thing. Um, yeah, um, we may have different uh, responsibilities, <clears throat> but we can't say that one is less or more important than the other. Uh, and and we, we, we have to understand that when, when, when God gives us something to do in the body, in the church, uh, if that's not done, then the rest of the body has to compensate. Right? Um, you, you know, any, any part of your body that hurts, right, the rest of your body has to, has to pick up that slack. Right? Um, <clears throat> I worked on my brakes a couple weeks ago, and, and my back's been screaming about that. Right? And, and my whole body's had to compensate because this one little muscle back here at the top of my hip uh, just will not relax. So my whole body has to adjust. That's what, it's, that's what it's like. When we're given the responsibility by God, when we're given a ministry by the Lord in this church, and we don't fulfill that ministry, uh, the rest of the body has to compensate. Even though it may be a completely different responsibility, uh, still we have to compensate. So, who else? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah, that's a, actually a different discussion, but it's a, good, it's a good point. We can do everything we're supposed to do as a body of Christ, 
we can fulfill every responsibility the Lord gives us individually and corporately. But then, you know, like it says, you know, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm just, I'm just making noise. Yeah, it's fruitless, useless. All right. Um, but that's a good point to bring out because it's, uh, that really speaks to the motivation as to why we do what we do. And other places in Scripture speak of, of us doing, thing for the, doing things for the praise of men, doing things for attention, uh, which is wrong, because then we have our reward, Jesus says. Like the Pharisees that pray on the street corner, acting all spiritual, you know, they, well, they've, they've got what they wanted. They, they have the praise of men. That's what they were going after, so that's as far as it goes for them. Um, Oh, absolutely. You know, I think of, of an ant. An ant can carry a lot more of their own body weight in an item, but you think of the ants in Africa. I've seen photos of ants in Africa carrying off a full entire animal. You know, not huge, but when, when, a bunch of them together. When they work together, yeah. Together. Scripture has a lot to say about the ant. Ants must have been real common in Israel because they're, they're a, just a crawly little object lesson about uh, community working together to get a particular goal accomplished. And, um, yeah, we, we, again, you know, our, our bodies work best when there is uh, harmony, cohesiveness, unity, homogeny. Um, you know, if, if not, then our bodies aren't healthy. Right. Well, that, that metaphor, and again, we want to be careful with the metaphor. Any metaphor you push too far is going to fall apart because it's not the real thing. It is a metaphor, so it can only go so far. Um, but when, when we individually aren't spiritually healthy, it's like a part of our body that has an infection. It's not going to be as strong. It's not going to work together right. Other parts are going to have to compensate. Uh, yeah. So... Any others? What are the reasons that it's important to be a part of a church? I think it's really cool what it says, you know, every all the parts work together and even if like Judy said, you're not teaching or leading the singing or whatever, the other people who just come, they do help support all those other people by being here and by praying for them and and they do have a huge purpose here in the church. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, it, it, it says basically, you know, the, the comely parts, the people out front, you know, that get a lot of the attention, you know, the, it's, it, no, the honor goes on, on the ones that are behind the scenes. The, one, the, 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 the honor goes on the ones that um, you know, may not have as glamorous a job as, as somebody out front. It says they're, they're the ones that are to get more honor. They're the ones that serve in humility without attention, and and you know they they do the job, they get the job done. You know they're they're you know like I don't know you don't see what your liver does, you don't you don't see what your pancreas does, you know, but you feel the effects if it doesn't work right, you know. Uh, so we we can't all be the face, you know, that everybody sees, but well, you wouldn't want to be without your liver, would you? No, uh, you, you bestow honor on, on the parts that are doing the job and not getting the attention. 
you, you honor them even more because what they do is important. Um, and and yeah, we, it's important we don't forget that. Anybody else before we go on? Yeah, there is. It's a good point. Yeah, we we do it God's way according to God's plan, and we have God's protection. Yeah, it's absolutely right. Um, now, how can uh, how can the church recognize then Jesus as its head? Now, we we know we say all right, Jesus is the head of this church. Uh, we say that we know it. Um, whether we believe it or not depends on what we do. Um, but how, uh, how, how can we as a church recognize Jesus being our head, our source, our authority, our beginning? I think it comes down to who you give honor to. Okay. It's true. There are going to be people that come in, they're seeking, there are going to be people who come in that really don't have any interest in serving God. Um, the false teachers were an example. There are going to be people who, you know, not everybody is going to be dedicated to the Lord. And so we have to realize that it's individuals dedicated to the Lord that allow the Lord to be the headship over them. Okay. Okay. That's where membership comes into play. Yeah. Yeah. Membership is uh, membership has its privileges. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, there's um, I've been looking for the website lately. I found it years ago, but I, I have I've lost it. I can't find it now. Uh, it, it has um, a lot of uh, extant writings from, from right around the time of Paul for several hundred years. Some of the old church fathers, some of them were just wackadoodle. Uh, I mean, they were, they were just nuts. Uh, but you weed through some of them, you find some of the other writings you know, that, that Paul had written and, and, and some of the guys that Paul had led to the Lord, they had written stuff. Now, they're not scripture by any means. Um, the best you can do is use them for, for, for commentary, how they understood the scriptures they had at the time. Uh, when, when a Christian uh, or, or Christian family would move from one town in their church to another church in another town for work or what, whatever reason, 
they had to carry a letter from their church to the new church in order for that new church to accept them. And if they didn't have that letter, then they were very suspect, you know, because persecution was very um, intense at that time. And, and they, would, they would, you know, churches would send letters of approval, recommendation, whatnot, to, so that the, these families going from one church to the next could present this letter knowing that, yes, this is a member in good standing and they serve God, they love God, they, you know, they're a part of this body and, and for whatever reason they had to move, maybe their master <coughs> moved and they were a slave, they had to go with their master, they would take this letter with them uh, indicating that they were who they said they were. Uh, they, they took it much more serious than really we do today. Um, and that was their understanding of the importance of, of a membership, knowing that they're part of that body. Uh, now, you know, we have folks come and go all the time uh, that aren't members. Um, we do benefit from them. They benefit from us. Uh, but, yeah, they, they may or may not be as interested in serving the Lord as, as we are. Um, you know, we, we don't want to give the right to, to, to make decisions in our body to somebody that isn't, you know, on the same page as we are, that, that isn't a member. Um, so, you know, they, they understood it a couple of hundred years after the Word of God was complete. They, they understood it in, 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 in that context that identifying yourself as a part of this particular body of Christ, uh, you know, they, they took that quite serious. And, and um, doesn't mean, you know, it's us for and no more. It doesn't mean that we don't let non-members come. That's not, not what that's talking about. Um, but, it, you know, we, we belong to Christ. Christ has called us out. We're a called out assembly <clears throat> with him as our head. So those of us who identify with Northland Bible Church uh, and, and have done so by, you know, the official membership process, um, you know, we would and can and do identify as, you know, the body of Christ here, now. We're out of time. Oh, yes, sir. So how can we recognize that Jesus is, is the head of the Northern Bible Church? That that is the question. Yeah. That that that's what we're. <laughs> the uh, it would be sub- yeah. Uh, how how do how do we recognize Jesus as the head of this church? Uh, salvation, right? accepting Him as as a Savior, Lord and Savior, so so that you have a relationship with Him. Um, obedience to His commands. Uh, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He says in John. First uh, John says that um, you know the love is demonstrated by obedience. Right? Um, as as the believer grows, um, now we're not into lordship salvation, uh, but as the believer grows, Jesus becomes they uh, becomes their lord, their their boss, their master, uh, and and when they have submitted to them him individually. We are submitted to him corporately. That is recognizing him as our head. He 
we go back to the word of God as our only rule of faith and practice. Uh, where from, from scripture, we find out what we're to believe. And then from scripture, we find out what we are to practice or do. As long as it lines up with scripture uh, and we have a relationship with Christ and are submitted to Christ, uh, I think that is recognizing his headship. Any others? All right, then let's have a word of prayer and we'll fellowship a little bit. Uh, Father, we thank you for uh, this time in your word. And Father, we do thank you for Jesus being our Lord, our, uh, our head, our source, uh, our beginning, our authority. And I pray, Father, that your spirit would work in us to, to recognize his headship, that we submit ourselves to him uh, as a demonstration uh, of our love for him. Uh, please guide the hour to come. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.